0: God bless John, Paul, and Connie. Fantastic. Uh, Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 today. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn. If you're joining us by way of audio or video podcast, Facebook Live, YouTube, wherever you are. Actually, most people are going to see me by video today. I'm trying to be in two places at once. And I will be preaching later this morning at Franklin Community Church for Eric Walker's 12th ministry anniversary. He's been in ministry 12 years. Can you all believe that? Uh, but let's celebrate Pastor Eric. God bless him. I'm going to run down to Franklin to preach in his honor. So later today, even at Woodward in the house, some of you will see me by video who don't normally do that. I don't know if that's a disappointment. Probably it's all right. Uh, when we first started doing the video, one guy said he turned out he really liked that. He said, because to be honest with you, preachers have always creeped me out. <laughs> so anyway, maybe, maybe it's better this way. Um, going to finish, though, this morning the sermon Uh, The last sermon in the series entitled, This Too Shall Last, Uh, I've been in ministry, you know, gosh, uh, 20-whatever years now. Um, I guess I'll never be a prosperity preacher. I have no doubts about what God can do and what God, you know, uh, is capable of doing. It's just that I've seen enough of God's good people suffer by now to know that that's simply a part of the life of faith. For most of us, we're going to know trouble. What I'm not sure we realize, though, is is how much everybody suffers. Uh, When it's us and we're in the fire, when it's us and we're in the the sickness or waiting for the news or when we are battling pain or grief or loss or whatever it is, um, I guess one of the lies the devil tells us is that we're the only one. You're the only one. And that suffering really isolates you. And that isolation sometimes becomes in some ways, the worst part of it, you just become so alone in it, but you're never going to be alone in it. You just don't have any idea. There was a good church woman. Her name was Corrine. And Corrine um, was one of those ladies in church every single time the door was open for all of her years. Now her husband never really went to church. He was just not a church guy, but that's just how it was. You all have seen ladies like this your whole life. So Corrine was a faithful woman, stoic uh, and uh, strong as they come. Um, Her husband died uh, of over 50 years. They've been married over 50 years. He really wasn't much of a church guy, as I said, but he was the father of her children and and grandfather of the grandchildren. And so they had a church funeral, and the pastor came in and and, and preached the funeral for Corrine's husband, even though he didn't know the husband anything like the way he knew Corrine. So after the funeral, about a week later, the pastor decided to go check on Corrine, see how she was doing, and the thing was, through that entire funeral, through all of that process, she never shed a tear, and that's kind of Corrine, just strong, stoic, faithful, she never broke down, not at all, and same way at the house, pastor began just to talk to Corrine, and she said she was doing okay, she said she was doing fine, and Pastor thought it might be a good idea to get Corrine to talk about her husband. So he said, tell me about your husband. I never really knew him well. How did you all meet? And then the story just poured out of her. Corrine said, I was a little girl. I was living on my, on my street, and there weren't a lot of neighbors, uh, but his family moved in down the road. and..." He was older than I was, but I thought he was cute. She said, I, I had a crush on him from the beginning. So I used to ride my bike or walk up by his house just to see if I could see him. And then before long, he would sort of be out to be seen. You know how that goes. And so eventually they began to talk. And then one day she went down uh, by the house to see him. And his parents weren't home, so he invited her in. And he raped her. This is the story that she told. And so Corrine said she ran home terrified and she was literally physically ill for days. And so finally her daddy and mama sat her down to find out what was wrong. And Corrine told her parents what happened, that this neighbor boy had forced himself on her. And so they marched her down the street and they had this meeting with the boy's parents And they all decided together that the only way to fix what had happened between the kids was for them to get married. And so Corrine said that she married that boy. And at the time, he was in love with another girl, and he always carried her picture in his wallet. And Corrine said until the day he died, he carried that other girl's picture in his wallet. And she told the preacher, he never loved me. He never loved me. I I just tell you that story to remind you that you don't have any idea what people go through. You just don't have any idea. And you sometimes think that when you have trouble that you've been singled out. But I'm saying Corrine was one of those church ladies that you'd see and know your whole life, and you would think that that lady was strong and stoic and faithful, and she was. But you have no idea the everyday burden she bore for her entire life. And so whenever you're tempted to think that your trouble comes and, and you're the only one who's ever gone through anything like this, or if you ever start to think that you're the only person who has ever begged God for rescue with hot tears, then I just want to understand you're, you're never the first one, you'll never be the only one, and if you're doubting me, um, the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's an amazing man of faith, and we'll understand that. We'll read some of that. But what Paul does in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is let you in on just a little bit of what you wouldn't have known about him. It's the everyday pain, the everyday suffering, and the way in which he begs God through hot tears, and God says no. I mean, sometimes God says no, and I want us to talk about what to do when God says no. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 First 10 verses. Oh, this is amazing. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about. But I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I'd be no fool in doing so because I will be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, When I am weak, then I am strong. All right, in 10 verses, it, it's really kind of astonishing for what Paul does in, in these 10 verses. First off, he talks about visions and revelations. He's talking about his own. Now, what he says here is really hard to sketch out. It's hard to understand. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Okay, so, I mean, just start right there. Even Paul doesn't know exactly what happened to him. He just knows it was good. I mean, this is a blessing. This is something that very few humans, if ever anybody else, is allowed to experience this kind of spiritual gift. But it's an experience, this rapturous experience when Paul says he is taken up into the third heaven. Third heaven. I don't really know what that means either. Um, in Hebrew cosmology, the way the Hebrew, uh, the Old Testament, the way they understand the universe, uh, it, it's in terms of like the word is sky. Like there were three skies in, in Paul's mind. And the first sky is the sky. You know, the first sky is where the clouds float and where the birds fly. That's the sky. The second heaven, the second sky in, in Paul's way of picturing the universe. It's where the sun and the moon and the stars hang. It's, it's, it's that, that outer sky, that outer heaven there, the second heaven, the middle heaven. But that third heaven is out beyond the other two skies. The third heaven is where God dwells. And Paul says, I don't know how I got there. I don't know if I was in my body. I don't know if I was out of my body. I don't have any idea how I got there. All I know is I got there. In God's presence, in the third heaven." And Paul says, it was magnificent. Caught up in paradise, and I heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. What did he hear? inexpressible. Can't even describe it. If I wanted to describe it, there are no words. And besides, these are things no human is even allowed to tell. So it's this secret. Amazing reward, this amazing experience, this blessing that Paul receives. I don't know how it works. I can't draw you a map of the three heavens. I can't tell you if he's in his body or out of his body. I can't tell you how long it lasted. I can't tell you anything about it. Paul doesn't tell us much. It's like, Paul, you guys, I mean, like, you wrote half the New Testament. Why couldn't you have wrote more about that? Like, I want to hear about that. Like how do you not talk about that? I mean, if I had something like that, I would work that into every sermon. Like that, I mentioned to y'all, I've been to the third heaven. I mean, I would find ways to drop that in the conversation because that is a blessing. Aren't you supposed to give God glory when He does something good for you? Aren't you supposed to sing His praises? Apparently, not always. Because this is something that Paul says, I really don't even want to boast like this, but y'all are pushing me into it, so here it goes. And he tells us next to nothing about this amazing blessing. However, I'm glad that he tells us this, and I'm glad he tells it right here because of what he tells us next. Because before he goes on to talk about his suffering, you need to know about the way God blesses him. You need to know that, that, that the fact that God takes him up into the third heaven, brings him into his presence, and allows Paul, allows him a mere human being for just for, for a moment, for whatever amount of time it was, in his body, out of his body, we don't even know. But, but Paul received such a blessing, such a vision, such a revelation, there are no words. So you can't tell me God didn't love Paul. You can't tell me that Paul wasn't something special. I know God doesn't play favorites, but now Paul must have been something special. And Paul, somehow in his life, you know, I mean, God wanted Paul to experience this, this favor, this blessing, this secret. So understand that. God loves Paul, Paul is somehow special. And, and receives blessings and revelations like nobody else. Understand that because of what he says next, because that experience is what he tells you before he tells you about the next thing. And it's not a lot of mystery around this particular part. It's not a question of, I don't know if it's in the body or out of the body. Paul says this is in the body. He calls it his thorn in the flesh. Now that for us has become you know kind of a, I don't know a, It's just something we would say, a thorn in my flesh. Man, she is a thorn in my flesh. I mean, we we talk like that. Anything that becomes like a a daily annoyance. But I think annoyance would be a small word for what Paul is describing here. He, He uses the word torment. Now, in his mind, he knows that this comes from the devil. He says, this is a messenger from Satan. I mean, it's personal from the devil, and it's every day. Everyday torment, and we have no idea what Paul's talking about. We know it's in the body, and we know that it's something that he lives with. We've been talking for weeks now about trouble that comes and won't leave, and this is what Paul is describing. So you need to know that even though he experiences these unspeakable, ineffable blessings from God, you need to understand that at the same time, at the same time he's... Traveling the ancient world, planting churches and preaching and everything that Paul does through all of that. He lives with some sort of everyday suffering that he never talks about. Only here. He never complains about it. He never asks for prayer about it. I mean, he just carries this. It's between him and the Lord. It's kind of between him and the Lord in the same way that this blessing in the third heaven was between him and the Lord. I mean, Paul and the Lord have this intimate relationship. They've got secrets together, you know. No idea what the thorn in the flesh was. Some people say he was ugly. There's some evidence in this letter. If you read read the, the Corinthian letters, especially Corinthians, you read between the lines, you get an idea that Paul could have been ugly. There were some issues with his, like people said, just have him write us letters. I mean, so he, if he was ugly, it was more than just like, you know, bad hair day. He's like lagoon creature ugly, you know? I, I don't know about that. I mean, we don't know. Other people say maybe epilepsy, something, something like epilepsy, some sort of seizures, some sort of physical malady. There's probably pretty good evidence that he had terrible eyesight. There's a one place where Paul is standing before the high priest and he smarts off and somebody smacks him and says, you can't smart off to the high priest. And Paul says, I didn't know it was the high priest. I'm sorry. How can you not know? Are you blind? And it, the, He could have been blind. I mean, we know that when God called him, God knocked him off his horse and blinded him with a light. Maybe he never got full sight back. I don't know. I mean we can speculate, and maybe that's the thing, because when you read this and I read this, the fact that Paul just leaves it so vague, it lets me fill in the blank. Do you do that? You know what I mean? Like whatever it is that you carry, you know, you think, oh man, it could have been it could have been what I have, you know. Maybe that's why. I mean, maybe that's why in the Word of God it's just sort of left open. Because maybe, just maybe that lets me and you insert our own thorn in the flesh. I I don't know it. And I don't know that if in this present moment of your life you're carrying anything like that. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes as your pastor, I do know. And I'll give anything in the world if I could preach a sermon or pray a prayer or anoint you with oil and make it go away. I wish that I personally had that power. So, in the absence of, of, of that sort of ability, let me just tell you what, what I know how to tell you, and, and it's just the truth. First off, as I've been telling you, you will suffer problems that God will not remove no matter how hard you pray. You know, when I say that, part of me thinks, Pastor Tim, I mean, I call myself Pastor Tim sometimes, Pastor Tim, don't say that, don't tell your people that, don't don't, don't say that, I mean, you're going to kill everyone, you're going, this is not a way to start a Wednesday night prayer meeting, you, you know, but you don't need me to tell you this. If you've ever been to a Wednesday night prayer meeting, you've caught on to the fact that we often pray for the same things over and over and over. We just keep praying, and we don't doubt what God can do, and that's why we pray. And we know that He loves us, but but still. In the mystery of his providence, there are just problems that we suffer that God's not going to remove no matter how hard we pray. And you think, Pastor Tim, don't say that. You can't say that. Well, if you don't want me to say it, then what are you going to tell Paul? Because this is what Paul says. I'm getting this from the scriptures. The miracle of this scripture is that Paul said, I prayed three times. Three times? What are you, lazy? I mean, some of us, I mean, like 300 times, I mean, we, we pray over and over and over. I mean, like there would be no ending. If I had like a daily thorn in the flesh, God's going to hear it from me every day. And y'all would too. You know, I mean, I would not be shy about it. I, I would want to, hey, everybody be praying, Tim's having a hard time. I, and that would be me. would be no three times. But for Paul, he takes it to God three times. See, this is you and me. When we talk about how God answers prayer, we don't often factor in that, that a possible answer is no. I mean, sometimes what we're praying for, God is not going to give us, at least not in the way we're asking. Paul prays three times, and God answers three times. And three times, he answers, it's not really no, but it is no. If Paul's asking to have this thorn removed, the answer is No. Paul's going to live with this, this daily torment, this messenger from the devil, whatever it is, Paul knows it comes from the devil, but in his heart, he knows God could do something about it, and that's the mystery, and that's the difficulty of the life of faith, and I don't blame God for the bad things that happened to me, but I know he could do something. I know that he could deliver me. I know that he could make it go away, and Paul begs God, he prays with hot tears, but three times. I think that's part of the miracle, that Paul understands the answer. The Lord says each time, like every time Paul prays, the answer is the same. So eventually, Paul just accepts what the Lord is telling him. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Three times I beg, and then he accepts Sometimes, no matter how hard you pray, you're going to suffer problems that God will not remove. Next. What do you do? What do you do when God says no? What do you do when the answer is that your situation's not going to change? Let's talk about that. First off, ask God to give you a longer view of things. A a, a longer view of things. My small—I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have the small group that I have. It's the Sunday night group here at church, 6 o'clock. Everybody's welcome. But my group is, a, is, is mostly the older folks, and I love them. My group is the folks whose cars just drive to church on Sunday night because they've always gone to church on Sunday night. Their cars just come. And, and so we meet. Uh, it's been a blessing to walk through this series and then talk to them every Sunday night. Because they have a longer view. That they've been through things, they've seen things, they know things that you and I just don't know because we haven't seen enough yet, or, or we've never really walked where they've walked, or, or at least not as long as they've walked it. And that's the thing, we were talking about how uh, in our lives we suffer trouble, but, 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 but my Sunday night group, our, our church's you know, senior saints, they have a longer view. They're able to tell me how, you know, you look back over your life, there's a point in which you look back, and when you look back, things look differently, you look back and you realize that God was always good, that God was always with you. It's like that footprints in the sand, you know, poem that, that you may like or not like. I mean, it's on, it's on your grandma's calendar, you know. Um, but it's an idea that I look back over my life and, 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 and it looks a certain way from a certain vantage. It looks like at certain times of my life I was walking by myself. But then you gain a different perspective. You gain a longer view, and you begin to understand something about those most difficult moments of your life, and you begin to realize, I was never alone. God was good to me in ways I could not see. I mean, sometimes pain is just blinding. And sometimes you are overwhelmed by your burdens, and and you can't feel, you can't think, you, you can't always even pray I mean but understand that that's in the moment it's like a woman in labor you know when my wife is in labor I tried just to not I didn't even want her to make eye contact with me I didn't want to ask her how you doing baby because I didn't want to know she would have told me with a fist you know know, don't ask her now you know like even like the day after we had our son I knew more than to ask her would you like to have more children she would have clocked me You know, because the pain was still raw. I mean, the the pain, the agony, the labor of it. You know, but you get some distance from that eventually, and you begin to see things differently. You you need a longer view. It's why the old folks used to sing the song, We'll Understand It Better by and by. Now, in, In the middle of what you're suffering now, in this season, it's just so hard. And I know it's hard. Just just ask God for a longer view and and trust Him. Let me give you this scripture because it's beautiful. This is from Paul again. These present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. You know, Pastor Jim, there goes your sermon title right there. You said this too, so last. Yeah, it it will last longer than you wish, but it, it won't last very long if you have a longer view. You understand? They will produce in us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. You see, it's that difference between lasting long and something that lasts forever. Your suffering won't last forever. It can't. It it won't. Your pain won't last forever. It may last long. Longer than you wish, longer than you ever imagined, but it cannot, it will not last forever. But Paul wants you to understand that there are things that do last forever. And these are the things we fix our eyes on. These present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they will produce in us. You understand, God is producing something in you. It's not always what happens to you that matters as much as what happens in you and God is producing in you an immeasurably great glory that will last, say the word, forever. The pain will not last forever. Your suffering, your trouble, your tears will not last forever, but the glory that God is producing in you will last forever. So here we go. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. We don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. I can't say it better than Paul said it, so part of me just wants to say it and then look at it till you get it. We don't look at the troubles that we can see right now. Because there's something else to look at, but it happens to be something you haven't seen yet. you understand? It's a longer view. It's a longer view. You were not created just for this life. And this life is just the, the, the smallest little part of your existence. You're going to live forever. You have eternal life with Christ. And whatever you suffer down here, it's just a millisecond compared to glory, compared to eternity. We don't look at the troubles we can see right now because we look forward to what we've not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. It's a longer view. It's a longer view. Do you understand? God is faithful. God is going to answer all of your prayers. But He's not necessarily on your timetable. He's got all of eternity to keep His promises, and He will. He will. One of the blessings of being a pastor in the same place for all these years is I am able to see the prayers of saints who prayed years ago, and now they're with the Lord, and I'm still seeing answers to their prayers. If you pay attention around here, you'll know that I'm telling the truth, and you'll see that too. God just answers prayers sometimes after people are gone. God is faithful, I'm telling you. Get that longer view. Learn to see past the end of your nose. Learn to see past the end of this trial. Learn to see past your present moment of suffering because it may last, but it won't last forever. It can't last forever, but what God is doing in you and what joys await you, those will last forever. You understand? One last thing. In And and thinking about when God says no and and trying to be very faithful to Scripture, it's just taking to one place. And it's to Gethsemane, right? To Jesus. And, And what I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me and what I feel like he wants to tell you is just remember that since Jesus has felt the way you feel, you need to learn to pray the way he prayed. Again, we're talking about when God says no. So in your prayer life, when you're asking God typically to change your circumstances, to to take away your pain, and it seems like God says no, then what do you do? How do you pray now? Well, since Jesus went through exactly what you've been through, we're going to pray the way he prayed. So here's the scripture again. This is from the Gospel of Mark. Mark. From the Bible, Jesus went on a little further and he fell to the ground. He prayed that if possible, he might not have to suffer what was ahead of him. Does that sound familiar to you? If if possible, he might not have to suffer what was ahead of him. Abba, my father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Isn't that amazing? Now, again, since Jesus went through what you're going through, I want you to learn to pray the way he prayed. Because his prayer is brilliant. His prayer is wisdom. His prayer is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can trust him and follow him, especially in the way he prayed. So just a couple of things. And this is how you pray when you feel like God is saying no. First, affirm God's power. What did Jesus say to the Father? I know that nothing is impossible for you. I know that you can do all things. I know that there's nothing that you can't do. I mean, just don't ever give up on that. Don't ever start thinking that God isn't able, that God isn't powerful, that there's something that's too big for him. That's never gonna be the case. So when Jesus prays to the Father, that's where he begins. Father, Abba, Father, I know that you can do all things. So affirm God's power. Don't ever give up the knowledge of God's power. And then ask with passion, Just ask. Jesus himself says ask and seek and knock. And when he says that, what he literally says is just keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking because the door will open for you. Just keep on knocking. So Jesus knows how to pray with passion and he tells us to pray with passion. So you just go right on ahead and ask. There is no sin in asking. There's no sin in begging. There's no sin in, in praying through hot tears. I mean, if, if, if Jesus is not going to change your circumstances, then he's going to change you so that you can stand up in your circumstances. So one way or the other, you just keep praying to him. Keep coming back to him. Jesus says, Abba, Father, I know that all things are possible for you. So if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I mean, he sweat drops of blood praying to God that he would not have to suffer the suffering that he was about to suffer. He's begging God for a way out, for a way around it. He's prayed that kind of prayer. So I just want you to understand, you can pray that kind of prayer. Pour your heart out to him. Tell him exactly what you want. Tell him exactly how you're hurt. Don't ever give up the idea that he can do all things and then just begin to ask him to do impossible things. Ask with passion. And then accept God's plan. Abba, Father, I know that with you all things are possible. I know that you can do all things. If possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, not what I want, what you want, not my will, I will be done. You will have problems. And I'm sorry. But you will have problems that God will not remove no matter how hard you pray. What are do you doing? God says, No. Know that He is a God who can do all things. Don't ever question his power. Don't ever question his love for you. You haven't been singled out. This isn't a sign that he doesn't love you. It will never be a sign that you've been abandoned or forgotten by him. That will never be the case. Just go to him and pray. pour your heart out to him. Ask with passion, beg for deliverance, beg for rescue. Pray with hot tears. And whatever what happens, Trust him. He's been where you have been. Jesus has prayed as you have prayed. Jesus heard the Father say no. As you may hear the Father say no. So since Jesus has been where you have been, you can trust him. Trust him. Pray with me. (laughs) Jesus, we know that you can do all things. And we thank you for all of the everyday miracles that we ourselves experience. God, we have a much longer memory for our sufferings and trials than we do for our blessings. And for that, Lord, we beg forgiveness. We have this horrible habit of blaming you for everything that goes wrong and then praising you for so little that goes right. Help us, Lord, to have a more correct view of your ways in the world and your ways with us. And give us, Lord, a longer view, an ability, Lord, to look forward to eternity, to when you promise to make all things new and make all things right and to wipe every tear from our eyes, Lord. You promise Help us, Lord, to look forward and then sometimes, Lord, through eyes of faith and wisdom to look back, to look back, Lord, and see all of those moments when we felt alone, when we felt abandoned, when it felt like, Lord, you weren't there for us. Give us, Lord, eyes to see all of those ways, all of those treasures in the trial that in the moment of pain, Lord, we weren't able to see. Give us eyes to see, Lord, so that we can understand what this means and, how we can follow you and trust you with our lives. Lord, there are men and women and children in this house and in the sound of my voice who are carrying burdens. And in many cases, Lord, nobody else has any idea how they suffer, the secrets they bear. I pray today, Lord Jesus, that while nobody else may know, you will make sure that they understand that you know and that you care, that you will never leave them, never forsake them, that these present problems may last, but they will not last forever. But the joy, the peace, the patience, the glory that you put in our hearts will last for eternity. We pray these things, trusting you in all things because of Jesus.